Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Find First John. I want to read some verses in chapter number four, and I'm going to study a little bit more on the love of God and, and being more established in the fact God loves you. Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by love. And what does that mean? That means being able to trust somebody. It's even true in the natural. Um, in the natural, if you, if you don't know somebody loves you and has your best interest in, at heart, then you cannot really trust them. Isn't that right? But once you get to know somebody and know their love for you and how much they would, they would do for you, then you, you can trust them with your life. You can trust them with, uh, you know, precious things and so forth. And you don't have any fear or anxiety of loss because you, you know they love you. They wouldn't do anything to hurt you. You understand what I'm talking about? So that's what it means. That's the more basic meaning of the, of the verse that says faith works by love. And he's talking about our faith in God. Amen. The more we get rooted and grounded in the love God has for us individually. I'm not talking about, well, we know God loves his people. No, well, that's true. But, you know, what good is it going to do you to know that God loves somebody else? God wants you to know personally and experience the love of God personally for yourself. Amen. To where it's a, the Bible says it's a knowledge that far surpasses mere, the Amplified says, mere experience without knowledge. Amen. I mean, excuse me, mere, mere uh, knowledge without experience. You can have a head knowledge of things, the things of God, but yet still not be experiencing what God has for you. God wants you to get, God wants to manifest himself and his love to you. Let's go, before we get to 1 John, let's go over to the Gospel of John. Hold your finger in 1 John. Hope I don't get more than 10 openings <laughs> with fingers in them, because you've only got 10 fingers, right? But anyway, go back to the Gospel of John. And let's notice the 15th chapter. When I say the love of God, God wants you to know he loves you. That's, you know, you hear that so often, and especially here in America, you, you hear God loves you, but some people don't really know it yet. You can sit in church for years and still don't know. I'm talking about a kind of knowing that goes all the way down inside of you. The kind of knowing that he loves you, that if a tornado is coming down the street, you don't panic. No, come on, Pastor. I mean, you know, you got to be realistic about this. No, the Bible said perfect love casts out fear. <laughs> no fear. You lose your job. No fear. There's nothing can make you afraid because why? He loves me. <laughs> what, what difference does it make? Who else doesn't love me? What difference does it make? What the natural bank account looks like? What difference does it make? The doctor said I have six weeks to live. What difference does it make? Because he loves me. Now, what you have to recognize is, is that love, God's love is not something that he just sits up in heaven with and says, I love them. I love, I have such a warm feeling for them. I love them. To God, love is not a feeling. To him, it's something you do. You understand that? For God so loved the world that he set up in heaven, had a gushy feeling for us all. Huh? 
He cried. He said in heaven, he loved us so much, he just cried. I just love him so much. What, what did he do? For God so loved the world that he, he got into our lives and started putting good things in our lives. He gave his only begotten son. Amen. I remember uh, uh, Dr. Summerall said a man came, tells this story about a man came up to him one time. He's getting ready to go on a mission trip, if I understood the story right. But a man came up to him one time and said, Dr. Dr. Summerall, he said, I just want you to know how much I love you and appreciate you. And Dr. Summerall was kind of, a, I don't know, he's kind of a to the point kind of a guy. He didn't like fluff and, you know, meaningless phrases and stuff like that. And uh, so this man was telling him how much he loved him. And Dr. Summerall looked at him and said, when's the last time you gave me an offering? <laughs> in other words, love doesn't just feel something inside. He was talking about an offering for his work, his mission work, to reach people for Jesus. You know, when's the last time you gave me an offering? Well, see, we, that, there's nothing wrong with that scripturally. For God so loved the world that he gave. You know, if you love your spouse, you're going to give to them. Hey, hello. So um, God's love is not something he just wants to sit up in heaven and have a warm feeling about. He wants to do something about it. It compels him to, to do something. And we got to recognize what it compels him to do. All through the Bible, if you want to find out, you want to do a good study sometime, do a study in the Gospels when Jesus walked the earth. Remember the Bible said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, by the way. Or Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when Jesus did what he did, he was moved not to prove, him, prove to people that he was the Son of God to do it. He was moved by love. It was love that sent him. And it was love that motivated him. How do you know that? Go through the Gospels and look at how many times it says, and being moved with compassion, he healed their sick. Isn't that what it said? Over and over and over again. And then he would tell, tell uh, little parables. And like one parable he said, we, we're familiar with it. It's in Matthew chapter number six. He told them, he said, uh, you know, uh, Matthew six, the passage where it says, take no thought for the morrow. Tomorrow, take thought for the things of itself. You know, be anxious for nothing. Um, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. He'll add all these things to you. The Gentiles seek what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear and what they're going to drink and where they're going to live. After all these things, the Gentiles seek. But he said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and he'll add all these things to you. Don't be anxious. I'll take care of you, he said. I'll add those things to you. But in the middle of that, in Matthew 6, he said, um, go out and look at the birds. Remember that? He said, um, because they don't sow or reap, yet your heavenly father feedeth them. And then this is what he said. Are you not much better than they? Are you not? What does that mean? Much better. In other words, you are more valuable to God than a bird. Say that out loud. I am loved by God and more valuable to God than a bird. And he takes care of the birds. So, hey, he'll take care of me. Oh, yes, he will. You better believe it. He'll take care of you. Amen. And we need to hear this and hear this and hear this. Why? Why will he take care of you? Well, because, you know, this and this, I did this and this. No, because he loves you. He loves you. And he can't help himself. That's just the way he is. He loves you. You can run, you can hide, but you can't get away from his love. 
You can fight it. You can, you can, you know, treat him wrong. You can try to get him mad at you and all that. And he just won't. He can be displeased, but he'll never stop loving you. You can do things that he doesn't approve of, but he'll never stop loving you. And by the way, love is not all the gushiness some people think it is, you know. Anyway, but um, so he says, you're more valuable than a bird. And he told other stories sometimes. He said, you know, for, for example, they brought one time, they brought a person to him that was sick. And Jesus made this statement. He said, he started telling this story. He said, uh, the woman was bowed over with the spirit of infirmity. And Jesus said, uh, um, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath and to heal? And they didn't answer. And so he, he healed her. And then they were mad because it was the wrong day to do it on. You know, religion is more interested in the right days and the wrong days and doing the right thing the way we think you ought to do it than it is ministering to hurting humanity. People that say, we don't know if it's God's will to heal all, they don't know him. Now, I didn't say they weren't saved. They might be saved, but I said they don't know him. Because once you get to know him, you find out God is love and love heals. Sure does. He was moved with love. He was moved with compassion and he healed their sick, the Bible said. Well, if love doesn't heal, well, then why was he moved with compassion to heal? If he was doing it to prove that he was the son of God. Hello? Because people think he just did that to prove he was the son of God. Well, no. He didn't, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible said he did it because of love. God, he came to show us the Father. Amen. And God is love. Amen. Amen. Anyway, so, but he's getting ready to minister to this lady. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or do, do evil? And they held their peace. He took her and healed her. And then Jesus told this uh, story. He said, which of you having a, an oxen uh, falling into the ditch on the Sabbath day won't go out and get it out of the ditch on the Sabbath day? And then he said, uh, are you not of more value than they? Wow. In other words, he said an animal in distress, it doesn't matter what day it is. This is not about, well, I need to pray and see if today's the day to get the animal out. We were driving down the street in Tulsa one time, it was pouring down rain. You, you haven't seen rain in cats and dogs until you've seen in Tulsa rain in cats and dogs. You ever heard the term cats and, rain in cats and dogs? Well, it, it would just, the sky would open up down there sometimes. Just, I mean, just all of a sudden the streets are that full of water. Anyway, we were, we were driving home from somewhere in one of those downpours and along the, along the edge of the road is this little puppy dog soaking wet, you know, walking, pattering through water and it's pouring down rain and, and she's over there. She sees, she, oh, the puppy dog, stop, stop, the puppy dog. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, stay in the lane and she's got her hand over there, stop, stop. I'm, I said, honey, it's pouring down rain, but the puppy, the puppy. See, she didn't say it's the wrong time. I did. But her, her love for dogs, I guess, surpasses mine, especially whenever I got to get wet to help one. Isn't that right? Well, it was just because of a hurting animal, an animal in distress that, you know, she wanted to get it. Well, that's the way God is. God doesn't say, well, it's not convenient or anything. It's just, hey, they're in distress and he wants to help a hurting humanity. 
And in one case, he healed a man with the Bible calls, said he had the, uh, I think it was the man that had the palsy. And the Bible said he, he looked around them in the Taylor translation. He looked around all these Pharisees with all these rules and regulations about being the wrong day to heal. And the Bible said in the Taylor translation, translation he was uh, angered because of their insensitivity to human need. In other words, they're trying to make everybody do formulas and do religious things, but they're bypassing human need. You know, the heart of God is to help hurting humanity. And he does, does it out of love. Amen. Well, have you found uh, John's gospel yet? We find here in the, uh, let's go to the 15th chapter. He said, verse number nine, Jesus is talking, as the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. In other words, I love you just like the father loves me. Okay, we're going to look at that in a moment, a little bit further, but go to the 17th chapter of John's gospel. And um, let's notice here in the 17th chapter, verse number 23 Jesus is praying. He said, I in them, he's talking to God, I in them and thou in me, that thou mayest be made perfect in one, that they would, uh, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Amen. Do you actually believe that? Yes. God loves you yes. as much as he loves or loved Jesus. Yes. Yeah, but he was the son of God. Well, who are you? Aren't you a son or, you know, a daughter? We call them sons of God, children of God. Well, he loves you just as much as Jesus. So the next time you get ready to ask for something, ask yourself the question, would he do this for Jesus? Right there. See, you need to start putting things like that in your prayer life and in your mouth. He'd do it for Jesus. He loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. That's got to be a revelation to you. Well, let's go back here now, though, to the 15th chapter. We started there in the ninth verse that um, he said, continue ye in my love. Now, back here in the 10th verse, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, the, the commandment from the context, you can look at a couple of different places is walking in love. In other words, pass it on. What he's bringing towards you, pass it on. How many of you know, whenever you damn up the love of God coming out of you toward other people, it's actually going to stop the flow coming towards you. You understand that? So that's what he's talking about. But I want you to notice that's the uh, 15th chapter back up to the 14th chapter. Let's look what he said here in verse number 21. 14th chapter of John, verse 21. I'm getting ready to pop the clutch. <laughs> Verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Now we already read Jesus over here said, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. So he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. So he said the same thing that he's talking about walking in the light of love toward our brother and sister. And he said, we will experience the love of God coming toward us. Now notice this for, he said in verse 21, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. In other words, what he's saying is I will manifest my love for them to them. Can you see the context, what he's saying? In other words, Jesus is not just interested in sitting up in heaven and having a warm feeling for us. 
and rock and on this, you know, oh, I love them. That's not, that doesn't do anything for you. You know what I'm talking about? Love wants to, love by its very nature wants to manifest something. It wants to do something. Isn't that right? The Bible teaches us that. So Jesus was love manifested. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So God gave love. God sent love. So if you want to know what God is like and you want to grow in your, because the Bible said faith works by love. If you want to grow in faith, grow in the word about God's love for you. Meditate in the love that God has for you. Think about it. Ponder it. Ask the Holy Spirit to show it to you because he said he wants to manifest it to you. If you want to grow in faith, grow in the knowledge of God's love for you. Amen. Read things about it. Meditate on it. Wash out all, you know, fear that he might not keep his word. Because all fear that he might not keep his word is rooted in some, somebody who doesn't know that he loves them. That's where it's rooted. Amen. All right. Now let's go back to 1 John. Remember I had you go there first of all back way back. <laughs> let's go to the fourth chapter here in 1 John. Notice something that it says. I want to start reading in verse number 11. It says, let, let's go back to verse 7. How many of you want to catch it all? Yeah. Go back to verse number 7. This is 1 John 4 verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. Well, we know it is because God is love. Love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. <laughs> well, you can spend some time there. But he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In other words, because we are born again, we can read in other verses, it's shed abroad in our heart. The love of God shed abroad in our heart. His nature is in us if we're born again. That new life had brought the nature of God. So he said the love of God is, is going to be manifested through those who know God. And well, he said, first of all, are born of God and then those who know God. We, it's not enough to be born of God. You have to know the love of God for you. You have to know he is love. All right. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. Verse nine. In this was manifested the love of God. Everybody say manifested. manifested. You realize God has always wanting to manifest love. It's not good enough for him for him to just have it in his heart. No more than it's good enough for you. You know, it wasn't good enough whenever members of our congregation went through the, the uh, flood, you know, their houses were flooded. It wasn't good enough for us to say, oh, we love you. Isn't that right? So in this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So Jesus is manifested love. Yes. Okay, now wait a minute. Now when you see him, you're ma he's manifesting love. You don't see him making one person sick. But people say that. Well, he's doing that to teach you something. Well, do you do that to your children because you love them so much? Do you put can do you put a, do you get a syringe full of bacteria and, and inject it into your children because you love them and you want to teach them something? Hogwash. <laughs> Isn't that right? No, love does not put bad things on somebody. Amen. The Bible said every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. If it's not good and if it's not perfect, it's not from God. 
Isn't that right? We got to keep meditating in this, thinking about this. Okay, so he said here that um, verse number nine there, love was manifested through Jesus. Jesus manifested love. And he said himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when it's not, sometimes we have this concept, it's a religious thing, that Jesus was love, but God is stern. You know, you see God in the Old Testament, he's stern. But Jesus is love, you know. No, God is love. Love sent Jesus to manifest God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, he came and had compassion. And for, what does compassion do? It healed, it forgave, everything Jesus did. It provided people's needs. Remember, just a simple thing one time. They were out listening to him preach and it went too long and Jesus said, well, they're hungry, give them something to eat. Isn't that right? And they said, well, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not sure how to do that. We don't know what to do. You know, that'd be a lot of money, Jesus. But Jesus said, no, I don't want them to go home fainting, tired, hungry, you know. You understand? That's just simply love coming out. Simple things. How many of you know God must take care of you and all the little things that concern you? Amen. All right. Now here he said this in verse number 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So um, verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. So by loving, walking in the love of God, you realize by walking in love toward other people, and if you don't know what that means, walking in love, I know we've got people here that uh, have only recently been coming, started coming. What does it mean to walk in love? It means, the word walk means to base your actions on love. What does it, what is the love of God like then? How should the love, of, how should we act if we're going to walk in love? Go back to, for, not now, but go back and meditate on 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Get the Amplified, and that's what love does. That's what love does. That's the way God is treating you. Amen. You know, uh, works no, loves, love works no ill toward his neighbor, Romans 13 says. So God's not working any ill towards you. Amen. He's not your problem. Hey, well, God, why aren't you doing what you promised to do? Why don't you recognize that it's not him Amen. that's being unfaithful? You've got to recognize not every bad thing that happens to you is from God. In fact, nothing bad it's Satan. There's somebody else in this plan. It's called Satan. He's the God of this world and he's come to steal, kill and destroy. You know, this is so simple, but it takes you going to church and listen to a preacher to get confused about it. You can go to churches all over America and hear, hear all kinds of stuff. I could repeat one thing. Everybody would go, oh yeah, <laughs> we heard that one. Amen. Say hallelujah. We're hearing the truth tonight. I want the truth. Just give me the facts. What does the Bible actually say? He said, if we, if we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. That's, you might want to circle that perfected because we're going to spend the rest of our service talking about that. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. We have, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. See, it's not enough just to believe Jesus came to earth. You've got to confess him and acknowledge him and believe on him for yourself. Amen. And verse number 16, verse 16 says, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Everybody say, we've known it, we've known it. 
and believed it. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to know it and believe it. Or we could say it this way. He wants you to know it and receive it. You see, love doesn't force itself. By its, by its very nature, love won't force itself on anybody. Love doesn't force. It doesn't coerce. You know, like for example, loving your boss, you won't coerce them or force them or bug them or nag them to give you a raise. Isn't that right? Boy, that went over real big. <laughs> Amen. Love doesn't coerce. The Bible says here, though, that um, we have known and believed, or we should say known and received, because by, by believing it, you receive it. In fact, if you go through the Bible, this is an interesting study I did one time. I went through the Bible and looked at the terms believe the word and receive the word. And you know they're used interchangeably? One time it says, like for example, whenever you read about the, Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them, it says they believed Philip preaching the word. Isn't that what it said? And then it later it says when the, the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. In other words, because they believed it, they received it. Let me give you a simple illustration. If you're checking out in the grocery store or you're checking something out at Walmart and you're standing in line waiting and you glance over and you read on the headlines of the latest tabloid, you know, um, Martian comes down, has sex with an ape. And 42 pound baby is born or something like that. Or Moses appeared again over there and somewhere in Jerusalem or something. You know, you, you read it, but you didn't believe it. Yeah, hope not. If you did, we're going to stop right now and have prayer for you right now. Please come forward. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lord, they need help. Bam. Kid. Why are you so stupid? <laughs> but so you read it, but you didn't believe it. You could also say, I don't receive that. Isn't that right? I'm not letting that into my thinking. And Amen. Same thing true with the Word of God. When you believe the Word, you receive it. Isn't that what it says? And so what we find here is we've known and believed. In other words, God wants us to know the love God has for us and He wants us to receive it. You see, love, perfect love, it says later, casts out fear. But do you know fear casts out love? In other words, somebody can try to do something for you and because you're afraid that now you're going to be obligated to them and now they, they're somehow going to have control over you because you feel like they did something for you and you didn't give them anything back. I'm, I'm talking about issues people deal with. People deal with somebody giving them a thousand dollars and they deal with, well, every time I see them now, I feel like I owe them something. And, you know, they're going to now be able, they're going to now ask me for something that I can't do. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not comfortable around them. People deal with things like that. Amen. But that's called rejecting the love. You, whenever you and I give, we're to do it like God. No strings attached. No string. You don't owe me anything. Amen. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to control you. I don't want anything out of you. I just have, I just have a desire to see you overcome this struggle you're going through. You know, maybe somehow you found out they didn't have their house payment done. Well, you give them a thousand dollars and, and oh, well, I don't know if I can receive that. No. As somebody that, that truly loves you wants nothing back. They just, they just want to be good to you. They want, don't want to see you going through that. 
Am I preaching all right tonight? So simple, but you know, I just, I just always want to get this through because your faith will spring and grow and flourish in the soil of knowing and receiving the love God has for you. That's what it means to be rooted and grounded in love. God wants your faith to be rooted and grounded in soil that's full of the love of God. What do I mean the love of God? The love that God has for you. Now let's look at it here. What it says again. Verse number, um, verse number 16. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Say, the love God hath to us. Now we know that we're to love other people. And we understand the principle of how the, we don't walk in love. We don't walk in forgiveness. It will affect our faith. The Bible says that. However, the more fundamental truth, which I've already shared on this, is that, that the more fundamental truth of the verse, faith works by love, is faith works by knowing he loves me. And then, of course, any unconditional love we have toward other people is because he first loves us. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love and he that dwelleth in love. Now get this. What's he talking about? He that dwelleth in love here is not talking about remaining or abiding in the love that God, uh, that you have for other people. In other words, dwelling in love doesn't mean living in the love of God for other people here. Because he just got done saying we have known and believed the love that God has toward us. All right? So that keep that meaning all the way through that verse. We have known and believed the love God has to us. God is love. He that dwells in the love that God has for him dwells in God and God in him. In other words, God wants you to dwell in this love. He wants you to meditate in this love. He wants you to bask in this love. And he wants to, while you're dwelling and meditating and basking in it, he wants, it to, he wants to reveal it to you in such a way that the rest of these verses happens after it. Perfect love's going to cast out fear here. We're getting ready to come into that. Where, where if you're made perfect in love, the love that God has towards you, you're not going to be afraid to approach him. You're not going to be afraid that he won't answer or afraid to take a stand of faith because it might not work out. You're going, to be, you're going to throw caution to the wind and trust him because he loves me. He will not let me fail. He will not let me, let me down. Amen. But he says here, he that dwelleth in the love, let's put it this way, verse 16, he that dwelleth in the love God has for him dwells in God and God in him. Herein, in what? In dwelling in the love, knowing and believing the love that God has for you. Herein is, your, is, is our love, you or my's love, made perfect. By dwelling in it, meditating it, let God reveal it to you by knowing it and believing it and receiving it. Amen. People say sometimes, well, I just, uh, you know, you didn't have to do that for me. Why do we say that? Why do we say that? It's a lie anyway. Inside, when we go out the door and back, you know, we go home, we're going, oh, this is wonderful. I love this. But in front of them, we acted stupid. Oh, you didn't have to. No, they didn't have to. They wanted to. Shut up. <laughs> we got to learn to receive love. If somebody's trying to be good to you, don't be suspicious. Oh, Pastor Debbie and I, we moved here. We were, what is going on? You open the door for somebody and they walk through and look at you like, 
don't, don't trail me through the grocery store now. What do you want? All kinds of things. I mean, we go back down. I'm not trying to be mean on Eastern Iowa. I'm not trying to. Be, I love people, but they don't know that I love them. You know what I'm talking about? They're scared whenever I love them. We, we go down to Tulsa or go down south somewhere and you do the same thing. And as, in fact, people come down. The, they're not even halfway down the Lowe's store aisle. They're, you're in Lowe's looking at tile. They're, they, you know, you're, you're 20 feet away and they say, hi, how you doing? Not in eastern Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it happens all the time to me. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're, you might be used to it. You might be living here. You have lived here all your life. You go down south, man, you're going to look at them whenever they say, hi, how you doing? You're going to look at them like, what do you want? <laughs> They're just good people. They just want to be nice. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. <laughs> it happened to us the other day. We were nice to this lady and she just kind of scowled at us. I pulled up in front of a building. We were out this before we surrendered to remodeling this one. I'm so thankful now we're going to do this. Amen. But we were looking at a building. I pulled up. It looked vacant, you know. I, I thought, maybe this is vacant. I pulled up and a man walked out. And um, it had a sign of, of Rockwell Collins in front of it. But I thought maybe Rockwell Collins had moved out of it or something. I, it looked vacant just from the outside. You know, certain things in the blinds look closed and everything. So I pulled up and I thought, I wonder if this is for sale. And um, I pulled up and a man walked out. So I was just right there. I rolled my window down. I said, hello, sir. How are you? He, he looked at me like... Uh, uh, good. And he sort of started walking away. And I said, I was just wondering, is this building being occupied? Does Rockwell Collins stay in here? Yeah. And he looked, he kept looking at us like that. I rolled the window up and said, typical Iowan. <laughs> Amen. We're changing it. That's fear. I said, that's fear. Probably most people don't even realize they're operating in it, but that's fear. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyway, I'm not trying to poo-poo on Iowa. I'm not trying to be, you know, we live here and we, we, we love Iowa. Praise the Lord. I'm just telling you, they don't know for sure yet if we love Iowa. <laughs> Herein is our love made perfect. By meditating, dwelling in, knowing, and receiving the love God has for us, we become made perfect in love that, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, you could, you could uh, substitute that word judgment for crisis. That you may have boldness in the day of crisis. In other words, when crisis hits, you don't start crying because why is not God not taking care of us? No, you boldly say, he's going to take care of me right through the middle of this. Nothing backs you away. Nothing makes you afraid that God's going to somehow forget about you now. You don't let that stuff on the inside. You don't let those thoughts come up. You know, many people have experienced rejection. Rejection from a former spouse. Rejection by mom and dad. You might have been rejected because you come to this church. People think you're unusual, you know. <laughs> Isn't that right? People have, have experienced rejection. And so they, 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 the big thing is if that gets on the inside of them. Now, somebody reaches out to them and they don't know how to receive because, well, I'm so used to being rejected. Or whenever they go through a crisis, they get the rejection complex like God has somehow forgotten them for a while. He's, he's going to let them go through something, you know, or he's putting them through something. And so they get away from God in the middle of crisis. That's the time to run to him. 
He's not putting you through it. Amen. So that we may have boldness in the day of judgment or the day of crisis because as he is, so are we in this world. How is he? He is love. So that's how we are in this world. There is no fear in love. No fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. Now here's what I want to get to. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. God wants you to be perfected in the love that he has for you. That's what that's talking about. He that feareth is not perfected in the love coming towards them. He's not talking about he that feareth is not perfected in the love for other people. Although it will affect your love for other people. But what he's talking about is being, if you're afraid, either afraid of God or afraid of anything else, any kind of fear, if you're in fear, you're in bondage. You got that? You're in bondage. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And he's, not, he's given us the spirit of adoption, not the spirit of bondage again to fear. Notice those words run together, bondage and fear. When you're, in, when you're in fear, either of God, you're in fear of another person, you're in fear of losing your job, you're in fear of anything, somewhere you're not perfected in how, go, how good God is to you and, and the love he has for you. Now you're in bondage because that is a toxin. Fear is a toxin that neutralizes your faith. And by neutralizing your faith in God, by fear, getting, putting fear on the inside of you, Satan has successfully kept you from receiving from God. Now you might receive to an extent. But remember there's a verse over in Proverbs 29. don't remember the actual verse, but Proverbs 29 is a verse there. It says that um, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Fear of man. So what is a snare? A snare is a trap. You know, an animal gets trapped, it's snared. It can't go any further. That's the way uh, fear of man is, or any kind of fear. It actually traps you from, it stops you from making progress. You're tight. You can't go any further. Isn't that right? It's like having a dog on a leash. Some dogs, they, the whole time you're walking them, they just, bam, they keep hitting the end of that leash. Bam! They, they keep thinking they can get through it somehow, you know? But that leash keeps jerking him back. That's the way you are. The devil's got you on a leash if you're in fear in any area of your life to where you can go so far and then the devil jerks you back. You can receive so far and then wham, that's all the further you can go. The devil jerks you back because fear and panic hits you of some kind. You know, there's so much fear in the world, they're giving names to it now. They call them phobias. And they, there's everything from the fear of flying, the fear of closed-in places, the fear of wide-open places, the fear of rejection. You could, they got a whole dictionary full of fears and phobias people have. You know, then that's just an area of bondage. <laughs> but Jesus, knowing he's love for you, will get you past any kind of fear of, of rejection or whatever it might be. God wants us so free, folks. So free to where it's almost like people don't understand, you know, it's, it should be, we should be refreshing when we get around other people. They're jerked back by this and jerked back by that and they can't do this and they can't do that. And we're just free, walking right through all kinds of stuff. You know, it's coming springtime. I have the least fear of tornadoes, the least fear of hail. You know, I am not afraid of anything. I, I just don't, I just, and if I find anything that I'm afraid in, then I, I just start attacking it. 
it's not okay to just let it be there. Especially if it's bondage and God's came to set you free from it. Now, notice what he said here. No fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. He that, may, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So really, if you think about it, with this in mind, when you have fear, there is an area that you're not perfected in the love God has for you in. Now, we probably all got things we're, we're, we're needing, you know, to deal with here. Um, but that is an area you need to go, that you need to focus in on then and attack it. Um, fear needs to be dealt with. Um, fear makes you shrink back. But faith will go on the attack. I'll tell you an example. Remember the Bible talks about... Uh, over there in the Old Testament, we're talking about Goliath coming out every day for 40 days and, and threatening Israel and saying, you know, send me a man and we'll fight. You know, he's a big guy, so everybody's afraid of him. All the Israelite, uh, Israelite army. Well, for 40 days, they're all shivering in their trenches. David comes on the scene, hears this thing and says, what, what's the deal here? He doesn't have a covenant with God. See, whenever David got in a crisis situation, his heart didn't shrink back. My, my friend, don't shrink back from spiritual things. You start shrinking back from spiritual things, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to where you are today. Don't shrink back in fear. I mean, face the storm. Face it down and, and talk it down. David kept talking, talking to fear. He said, you know, I've faced the lion, I've faced the bear. Actually, what he's doing is he's rehearsing the faithfulness of God. God was with me. He enabled me to take that line. He enabled me to take that bear. And it's good. That's one of the things you can do to, to attack fear is, is start reminding yourself of the faithfulness of God. He got me through that situation. He got me through this situation. My spouse left me, but God got me through that situation. Hallelujah. And start reminding yourself of the faithfulness of God. That's what David did. He said, God helped me with the lion. He helped me with the bear. And he said, I just kept using my faith. And he said, this is going to be no different right now. Goliath is no, no different. See, you need to practice on the little guys. Fear hits you and says, no, don't go after that bear taking your sheep. You got to attack it on the little things. So, because when you come to Goliath, Goliath is going to speak your language. David just heard, heard the roar of the lion or the, 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 the roar of the, and the growl of the bear, whatever you want to call it. But uh, that wasn't his language. Goliath's talking his language. He's speaking things he understands. So you better practice on the little things. Because when your Goliath comes, it's going to be talking language you understand. Ask yourself the question, why does Satan attack you with fear? Well, let me, let's say it this way. Why does Satan come to you and say, I'm going to kill you? Or I, you're going to get cancer. You know, all your relatives got cancer. You're going to get cancer. Why, is he start, why does he keep hounding you with it? Why does he keep bombarding your mind with thoughts about it? Well, he was, the reason he's doing it is, is be, he, he, the reason he hasn't already killed you or already put cancer on you Get a clue. He can't. Why does he keep telling you he's gonna? Because he wants you to accept it and be afraid so that you can open the door and now he can. Until you accept it and get afraid, he can't do it. Why don't you turn around and say, oh, so you're big and bad? Why haven't you already done it? 
Why do you, he keeps saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like the bully at school. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Take him out. Isn't that right? Show him who's boss. The fear of the thing opens the door to it. But when you're established in the love God has for you, you don't fear uh, approaching God to receive. You don't feel, fear failure to receive, nor do you feel devils lying and telling you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Nor do you fear all the things you see. Amen. Go back to the Old Testament. Go back to the book of Psalms. We got, my goodness, there's so much more I had. And, uh, but I want you to go to the 112th chapter of Psalms. The 112th chapter says, a good, verse 5, A good man shows favor and lends. He'll guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Verse 7, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. I love that statement. A person who walks with God and knows God and is established in the love God has for them and that they are established in that they are the righteousness of God and knows who they are in Christ, they're not afraid at bad reports. Amen. Amen. I said they're not afraid at bad reports. How many of you know we're all growing in this? When we first got here, I was thinking about this this afternoon. When we first got here, we had person, uh, people come to us regularly, seemed like once or twice a week. Oh, there's a terrible situation going on. Terrible. Quick, quick. Come, come. Pray, pray, pray. Just urgent. Just terrible. It had to be done now. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> we get there and it usually wasn't much. You know what I'm talking about? Why? They were more established in fear than they were in faith. But as the word got into people, that's trickled off. I'm not saying there's not situations where they, something needs to be addressed and soon. But I'm just simply saying the fear is not in people like it used to be here. When things come, now it's like, um, okay, well, I'll get, I'm going to call and get some agreement, but um, as, soon as, the, as soon as we pray, it's over. Yeah. And sometimes you're not even calling now, which is, which is just fine. I mean, if you don't need any help, praise the Lord. Amen. But it used to be terrible, urgent, come now. I got an ingrown toenail, you know, something real bad like that. <laughs> something real big, you know. <laughs> How many of you know whenever your heart is established in the love God has for you, the devil can be huffing and puffing and blowing things over and all hell's breaking loose and you're saying he loves me, he takes care of me and you start speaking to the fear and you start speaking to the storm. Amen. Why does he keep saying I'm gonna, I'm gonna? It's because he can't until you, until you let the fear in. Isn't that right? And here's what happens sometimes. There, somebody's relative gets a bad report. You know, the doctor says, well, you got cancer. And then they go to bed that night. They're, you know, the, person's, the, the person that's going to bed has a relative got cancer, but then they go to bed that night and, and the devil says, see, I'm going to do the same thing to you. You got their genes. And so from then on, they start saying, I just want you to know I'll never have cancer. I just want you to know I just rebuke cancer. Every, I rebuke it ever even getting in my body. Amen. Somebody said, that's faith. No, it's not. Why weren't they saying that before they got the bad report? Amen. Amen. Oh, it is, it's fear. 
Why didn't they go to bed that night and say, I just rebuke ever, AIDS ever getting in my body. I fight it. I'll never let it. In. Why didn't they do that? Because they didn't get a bad report about AIDS. Hello? See, we're not even identifying what it is sometimes. Why don't you just go to bed and say, I'm going to snooze good tonight because he took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. See, don't be all negative on everything. God's not negative. He's positive. Woo, glory. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life. 